Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael M. This is the truth. It's still April the 6th, 2015. <clears throat> we're going to do a reading from Bart. What's his name again? Bart Johnson. Bart, as long as Bart, Bart seemed to be interested in the Bible. <clears throat> Bart Johnson's People's New Testament Commentary on Revelation 13. Well, once again, I've been accused of being under the influence of Satan and having my own personal interpretation of the Bible. And, of course, it was a Sunday Adventist. <laughs> so, <laughs> here we go again. What a deal with this. Obviously, it's a big issue, and it's a big deception, turns out to be. Um, this uh, Jesuit Freemasonic Adventist nonsense about the United States government. That all these fear mongers are able to uh, play into and make a lot of money off of, so... But before we start, we'll look at the headline news, yahoo.com. Uh, once again, we'll see uh, headline of one. This Huffington Post, finding Jesus and divorcing Mary Mandolin, or Magdalene, excuse me. The last of six CNN episodes of Finding Jesus, Faith, Fact, Forgery, deals with Mary Magdalene and her relationship with Jesus, like other episodes, the book of David Gibson and Michael McKinley, on which the series is on. So anyways, anybody believes that Jesus married or divorced Mary Magdalene, first of all, there's nothing historical to prove it. Secondly, it's an apostate thing to say about our Lord and Savior. Third article, Pope Francis made my mom stop hating Catholicism. Newsmax. Uh, mom, my mom was raised in a big a very Catholic family, all of that Catholicism seemed to my mom to be bound up with and even responsible for the harm that took place. My mom raised me to ridicule and scorn religion, especially Catholicism. Well, she probably did a good job. And it's, you know, you know we look at Pope Francis, he's uh, from the ex- outside, the exterior, he's a charming fellow. Got a great smile. And I'm sure it influenced a lot of people. U.S. Philippines set hold on expanded, set to hold expanded war games, AFT. And of course, we learned in the last episode and the episode before that that the Philippines have the second or third largest gold reserves in the world. Now we can understand why Rome and America. The Roman Empire is so interested in the Philippines. It also be so close to China.
Man gets four years for beheading man with a guitar string. That's pretty weird. Screwed up people. A Naperville woman acts as lector for Vatican Mass, Chicago Tribune. A small opportunity to read scripture during Mass at a church in Italy led to a much higher calling for a, a Naperville young woman during Palm Sunday Mass with Pope Francis. Wow. Let's see what else is out there. But our love for Jesus with a Christian science monitor. Of course, a lot of stuff about the Kardashians. Man, they sure do look like witches to me. All the makeup they have on. Cross a hundred year old man killed his wife with axe and then himself, really. Mm. Not very much. Anyways. <clears throat> Bruce Jenner's sit-down interview with Diane Sawyer, Sawyer announced two-hour special. Great about him turning into a transsexual. And let's see, there's anything else that I knew worse than anything. Now, not really. Just a whole lot of celebrity nonsense. So, there we go. Okay, let's see. Before we get going, we'll see one more thing. We'll see um, anything there. As far as nope, nothing new. Okay. So, anyways, uh, once again, Dave Nikeo is what led me to this gentleman. Of course, I already knew about StudyLight.org. We're doing readings from Adam Clark and others, <clears throat> and. Um, so he mentioned this one guy, Bart Johnson, in his uh, People's New Testament. And it looks like an easy read, much more easier than, say, Adam Clark's. So let's read about this. Let's see what this man has to say about Revelation 13. So now this is now another man's opinion. Of course, if we look at Bart, uh, he... Uh, lived in the 19th century, like so many other ones who knew the truth. And um, here we go. 
introduction summary, the beast that rises out of the sea, power given to, to the beast by the dragon, the head wound, wounded to death and healed, power given to continue 42 months, lamb-like beast that had a voice of a dragon, his service to the seven-headed beast, number of the beast. Verses 1 and 2, and I saw a beast uh, coming out of the sea. <clears throat> the twelfth chapter has shown the relentless hostility of the dragon, the old serpent called the devil, Satan, to the woman, a hostility that has manifested itself in changing forms. The last verse declares his purpose to make war with the seed of the woman. This chapter is intended to show the organized forms in which he has carried on this warfare. The apostle, see, the apostle sees a beast, a wild savage beast, arising out of the sea. A restless ocean is a symbol of commotion. So, this is another uh, Bible scholar, a commentary that brings up that the ocean is something to do with restless commotion, disturbance within the kingdom, and not just about uh, multitudes and tongues. Like the Seventh-day Adventists would like to tell you, the reason why it's so dangerous to be listening to Walter Veith and Mark Woodman, rest his soul, and others. <clears throat> Having seven heads and ten horns, Beast bears the old dragon's mark, Revelation 12, 3. The seven heads and ten horns, it must therefore be some manifestation of the same power. Indeed, it is the dragon who has called the beast from the sea. On his horns, ten crowns. These crowns are diadems, or revision. They are the sign of royal authority. They're pre, uh, they represent ten kingdoms, kings or kingdoms, Revelation 7.12. In the twelfth chapter, the seven heads had a diadem, and now the horn wore them. Now the horns wear them, excuse me. There is a reason for this that we shall see in the sequel. And upon his heads is the name of blasphemy. If these heads should arrogantly claim divine honors not belonging to them, these would be names of blasphemy. These heads are said to be seven kings. Sometimes kings have claimed to be gods, as Alexander, who asserted that he was the son of Jupiter, Ammon, and that's A-M-M-O-N, and Roman emperors who all claimed divine honors and required men to worship their statues and to offer themselves them sacrifices. And the beast was like unto a leopard. This is a composite beast, which united the characteristics of the beast seen in Daniel in his vision. The animal combined, animals combined all the cruel, terrible beasts of prey, a terror to man. And the dragon gave him his power. That is, the beast 
was called forth to do the dragon's work and acted by the dragon's authority. Verses 3 and 4. This is a much easier read. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. The Greeks say slain. This deadly wound of the head was a deadly wound of the beast itself. See Revelation 13.12. This wound was given by the sword. That is by the war. By war. See Revelation 13.14. It is in Revelation 13.14 suggested that the beast uh, was restored after the wound by the efforts of the second beast first name in Revelation 13.11. This symbolism implies that the mortal wound was inflicted on the power represented by the beast, and that when it, de- it was dead, or about to perish, its power was restored by the arts of the second beast. And all the world wondered after the beast, and gave their wonder and admiration. And they worshipped the dragon. In following, after and obeying the beast, they really gave worship to the dragon, which had given the beast his power. Their worship was, however, directed to the beast itself. Who is like unto the beast? This language implies giving the beast superhuman honors. Similar language is often used of God. See Exodus 15:11, Psalms 113:5, Isaiah 40:18. The dragon cast down and received worship through the beast. Verses 5 through 7. And there was given a mouth speaking great things. He was he would make blasphemous claims. Daniel affirms the same of the beast seen in his vision. Daniel seven twenty five. Forty two months. The same period named in Revelation twelve six, Revelation eleven two, Revelation eleven three, Daniel seven twenty five. The period refers to here is when the beast shall be prevailed against the church is one of 1,260 years. This is evidently a period of the world's dominion over the church. He opened his mouth in blasphemy. Three kings of blasphemy are named. One, one against God, two against his tabernacle, three against those to whom God has opened his tabernacle. The first would be accomplished by usurping God's prerogatives. The second, by maledictions upon the true church. And the third, by curses on the true worshipers. And it was given unto him. Okay. He had power to make war on the saints and overcome them for a long period. Compare Revelations 12, verses 14 through 17. His dominion was also one that seemed universal. He claimed rule over all kindreds and nations. Verses 8 and 10. This is a very fast one, isn't it? And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. I'll accept the true and faithful saints hidden in the obscurity, but known above and recorded in the book of life, shall give him homage. If any man have ear and ear, let him hear. Let him give heed. The words to be heeded are in Revelation 13.10.
<clears throat> so the one thing that I noticed he's doing, he's kind of not take, reading the whole thing. Is he's not using the whole thing? Okay, let's go look at something. Since he says to look at Revelation thirteen ten, I'll get my Bible out and I will look. We're really flying through this, aren't we? <clears throat> and he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity, and he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. <clears throat> so, okay, and so we'll go back to this. And if any man is for captivity, uh, see, I don't know which which book he's. Oh, this must be come from his expert. This is his people's New Testament version. So that's the reason why it looks and sounds a little different from the King James. Okay. And if any man is for captivity, into captivity he goeth. This, the meaning is, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. With what measure a man meets, it shall be measured unto him again. If the beast and his adherents lead the saints captive, they shall finally be made captive. If they slay with the sword, so shall they be slain. Here is the patience and saints, the patience and the faith of the saints, the assurance that God will, in the end, right all their wrongs, gives them faith and patience. Revelations 11 and 12. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. John sees a second monster coming up out of the earth, a beast that has two horns, like a ram, or lamb, excuse me, and a voice like uh, the voice of a dragon. Uh, there is a close connection existing between the ten-horned and the two-horned beast. The latter exercises the power of the first beast before him. Two causes the earth to worship the first beast. Three saith to the earth that it should make an image of the first beast, Revelation 13, 14, and four gives life unto the image of the beast, and five causes those who will not worship the image to be slain, Revelation 13, 15. These statements show that there exists a close connection between the two, there, and that the last is the supporter and restore of the first. We have found the first to be symbolized, symbolically representation of the temporal power of Rome. Most Protestant commentators see the second beast, the spiritual power of Rome. Ah, hear that? Most Protestant commentators see the second beast to, beast to be the spiritual power of Rome. The power which giveth life to and build up the temporal dominion of the papacy. The papal claim, the papal claims, are twofold: both spiritual and temporal dominion. Saint Peter, with the sword and the keys, is always represented as the symbol of the papal power. The sword of the temporal power, sway, the keys of the kingdom. The Pope 
not only claims to be the vicar of Christ, but the rightful ruler of the kings of the earth. And in this capacity, in the days of his greatness, has made and disposed kings and granted kingdoms. Which is still going on, apparently, today in Western Europe. And Western Western Hemisphere. Including the United States. They're all part of the Roman Empire. Uh, Two horns like a lamb spake like a dragon. There is a similitude like the Lamb of God and a counterfeit representation, but a voice like an old dragon of pagan Rome. Both features show themselves, and it professes to be Christian power. Sometimes its servants do a do a really lamb-like work, but then again, we hear the dragon's voice. It can hardly be necessary to state that the symbolism could choose no language more appropriate to represent the harsh, arrogant utterance of Rome when she puts forth her power and her, or asserts her authority. Whoever has heard the harsh orders of the priest to his flock has heard the dragon's voice. How appropriately this language describes the bulls of the popes or the the fulmination of the anathemas anathemas and excommunications against their enemies. He maketh the earth to worship the first beast. The spiritual power of Rome is exercised before or in presence of the temporal power. They have dwelt together. It is the spiritual power that has made those that dwell upon the earth regard and pay homage to the temporal. If an earthly ruler refuses to heed the mandates of the Pope, his subjects were absolved from allegiance and binded to dispose him forbidden to dispose him, excuse me. If they refused, the whole kingdom was laid under interdiction, interdict, excuse me. The churches were closed, religious rites were suspended, and the dead were not buried in consecrated crowns, and superstitious population, and a superstitious population soon demands deliverance by submission. It was by the terrors of the spiritual power that the earth was brought into subjection to the imperial temporal sway of the popes. The second beast has made men worship the first. Verses 13 and 14. The second beast did great wonders, pretended to perform miracles, and thus deceived them that dwelled upon the earth. Rome has claimed the possession of miracle, miraculous power in all ages, and no fact in history is better established than that she has continually resorted to lying miracles, and deceiveth by reasons of those miracles. The object of these false miracles was to rivet 
the chains of spiritual dominion so as to build up the temporal sway of the papacy. The dragon lamb commanded men to make an image of the beast and to offer its homage. And that reminds me once again of the Pope. It was a few weeks ago, was it now? Or maybe in a month. Um, that um, never we supposedly uh, caused the, that blood of that saint in Italy to uh, halfway turn liquid. And people were still talking about it. It's 2015, and it's hard to believe, but that's the way the world is. You know, in America, we have our own superstitions, don't we? Maybe most people in this country aren't paying attention, but people have lots of their own superstitions that they like to follow, play along with, like vampires and werewolves and ghosts and... um, all sorts of things, right? And we have our idols, that's for sure. And certainly Rome wants to bring us back under her control completely. And uh, Rome's the one that gives, them, gives us these idols. Anything but reading the Bible, anything but studying the Bible, anything but understanding the Bible and what it says. <clears throat> Stay away from the Bible. Then they're, they're happy. Um, he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast. The image of the beast of the old pagan power, this eighth head, which is the beast, and the seventh is not a lifeless image. The art of the dragon lamb gave it life. So the arts of the dragon lamb gave it life. The spiritual power built up a temporal, the temporal, and gave it and imperial and despotic dominion. It had power to slay all who would not worship it. The awful dragon aids of southern France and the frightful works of the Inquisition, the merciless persecution in Holland, the scenes of blood and death caused by Rome, and many lands are the fulfillment. And they still go on to this day. And he causes all to receive the mark. The mark of the beast is some stamp or sign by which all its worshippers should be known. In ancient days, slaves were sometimes branded as cattle are in our own age. The brand or mark of the beast would be some indelible, indelible sign which would designate with certainty those who were subject to his authority. A mark in the hand is supposed by some to represent the practice, while the mark of the forehead indicates the profession of life. It is remarkable, however, that the mark of the forehead and the sign of the cross made with water converts a person to a Roman Catholic. Without this mark, none are regarded as heirs of salvation. So it looks like to me, if I'm understanding this is right, uh, the sign of the cross with water converts a person into a Roman Catholic. 
So it has to do something with Roman Catholicism, with the signing of the cross, and maybe the holy water, that kind of sprinkle of the water, what is that? <clears throat> Certainly it's not the biblical. Well, it would not be of God, we'd be insane. Sounds to me like anybody who's, who converts to Roman Catholicism or belongs to her daughter churches is under the mark of the beast. No man might buy or sell, etc. It has been common for Catholics to be forbidden to patronize the, those who were not loyal to the Pope. At least three councils are named those of Tours, of Constance, and the Lateran, which have expressly forbidden business intercourse with heretics. Ah, ah, it's amazing that how if you want us to be more successful in business and life, yeah, what's more important? Do you think it's joining the Freemasons? No, it's joining the Roman Catholic Church. I know so many people who are on top of things, top of businesses, do great in business because of their connections with Roman Catholicism. <clears throat> Much more than the, those who are Freemason. Not to say that Freemasons don't benefit. They just, hey, the double whammy, be a Catholic and a Freemason in this country. As long as you don't admit it in public, you do even better, maybe. Even though, supposedly, the papacy says that they forbid the lay people from being Freemasons, but then again, the papacies and the members of the papacy are all Freemasons anyway, so it's kind of silly, isn't it? One more hypocrisy. One more, one more hypocritical stance. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast. Revelation thirteen seventeen speaks of the name of the beast. It has then a name. It also speaks the numbers, the number of its name. Its name then is some number. We wish to discover its name, and if we can count the number, we will find its name. The number of the beast, that is, the number of its name, is the number of a man. And that number is 666. It is then plain that the number 666 is the number of the name of the beast. And this is the man's name, 666 in English. John did not write in English, hence those words in English will not give the word we seek. 666 are the Arab characters for the numbers. But they were unknown until many hundred years after John wrote. Hence, afford no help. John wrote in the Greek language for readers who understood that tongue. The number is evidently then to express in Greek characters. The Greeks did not express numbers by fingers, but by letters just as among the Romans. X stood for 10, and C for 100. 666 could be expressed by, expelling, by spelling out the word in the Greek language or by using the letters where numbers for various quantities. Let us try the latter method. 30 equals L, 1 equals A, 300 equals T, uh, 5 equal, equals E, 10 equals I, 50 equals N, 70 equals 
O, 200 equals S. 666, Latinos, the Latino man. Well, we're not talking about the Latinos from South America because they don't actually speak Latin. Um, what is the, this name? The number of a man. The Greek method of spelling the name Latinus, the reputed founder of a Latin race. The Romans were a Latin race and spoke the Latin language. The Romanish church is continually officially called the Latin church to distinguish it from the Greek church, the other branch of the great ancient schism. The Catholic sacred books are written in the Latin tongue. And the worship is conducted in every country in the Latin alone when the Catholic councils convenes. All its conferences are conducted in the tongue of the ancient Latins. There is then a Latin church whose official and sacred speech is the Latin language, which has for its seat the ancient Latin capital. The, that church is the great apostate church upon whose head the names of blasphemy have been written, which has claimed universal dominion upon the earth and has slain the saints of the Most High. Its name is under the, the, its name is the number of the beast. That name, Latinos, and I'm not talking to people that are crossing the border illegally right now. They are falsely named. But they are all Catholic, so that's the reason why they're called Latinos. <clears throat> but it has nothing to do with their language. Because they speak Spanish, Hispanic, Portuguese, other languages, right? Mixed language. Latinos, the number or number of a man, is 666. It does not destroy the force of this, that these numerals and, or, and letters can be so combined as to spell out other names. This name is one that at once points to a power which has displayed every mark which is assigned to the beast. There you go. How do you get the mark of the beast once again? By joining the Roman Catholic Church or its daughter churches, or its sister church. Remember the Greek or the eastern leg of the Roman Empire becomes a Greek, and the western leg is the Roman Empire, what we know as Western Roman Empire. If we look at the statue of Daniel, of the two legs. Ah, the eastern half of the Roman Empire and the western half of the empire. And how desperately they want to join together. But like a man with two legs, your legs never ever actually join together, do they? Because if they did, you'd have had one leg. Not very much stability in that, believe it or not. 
So that's that one. I thought that was very interesting. I think the guy does a very plain language. Maybe I'll read the whole thing. Maybe I'll start with him. It's not as challenging as this one. This one will really kick your butt. Because this one is from Adam Clark. Yeah, I don't know if I read this one or not, but we'll see what happens. Adam Clark's commentary on Revelation 13. Well, this one really kicks your butt. The beast rises out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns. Revelation 13.1, his description, power, blasphemy, and cruelty, etc. Revelations 13.2-10. The beast cometh out of the earth with two horns, deceiving the world by it, by is its false miracles. Supposed to be its, but it says is uh, false miracles, and causing everyone to receive his mark in their right hand. Revelation thirteen eleven to seventeen is number six six six. Revelation thirteen eighteen. And I stood upon the sands of the sea, and I saw a beast rise out of the sea. Before we can proceed in the interpretation of this chapter, it will be highly necessary to ascertain the meaning of the prophetic symbol beast as to what of a proper understanding of this term has probably been one reason, been one reason why so many discordant hypotheses have been published to the world. In this investigation, it is impossible to restore to a higher authority than Scripture. For the Holy Ghost is his own interpreter. Where, what is therefore meant by the term beast in any one prophetic vision? The same species of things must be represented by the term whenever it is used in a similar manner in any other part of the sacred oracles. See, this is one of the things I've noticed. I would like to say to some day, Adventists, they don't encourage you to read all these other commentaries. They just want you to hear their commentary. And if you're going to get about more broader, broader and more, you know, clear understanding of scriptures, you're going to have to listen, read to other people's commentaries. It's try to start to find some consensus. With the reformers in particular, I recommend. Because today's men don't, I can't seem to be honest about things. But a hundred plus years ago, men were honest about these, these issues. They weren't uh, shackled by the restrictions that they have now. Okay, having therefore laid this foundation... The angel's interpretation of the last of Daniel's four beasts needs only be produced, an account of which is given in the seventh chapter of this prophet. Daniel, being uh, very desirous to know the truth of the fourth beast, which was the first from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, and the ten horns that were on his head the angel thus interprets the vision. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, 
which shall be diverse from all the all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. The ten horns out of this kingdom are the ten kings that shall rise, etc. In this scripture, it is plainly declared that the fourth beast should be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, and consequently the fourth beast seen by Daniel of the four kingdoms. Hence the term beast is a prophetic symbol for a kingdom. As to the nature of this kingdom, which is represented by the term beast, we shall obtain no inconsiderable light in examining the most proper meaning of the um, original word keia or cheia. Uh, so, okay, I'm just going to call it uh, Che Che which is C H A I Y A H. I guess it's some kind of Jewish, it's a Hebrew word, is translated in the Septuagint by the Greek word, and then it's, oh goodness, it's all written in Greek, so it's hard to, it's like on Olav, O N O. L O V. Don't I hope I have that right. I'm not sure. Both words signify what we term a wild beast. The latter is one used by Saint John in the Apocalypse, taking up the Greek word O on excuse me on Olaf in this sense. It is fully evident. If the power be represented in the prophetical writings, under the notion of a wild beast, that power so represented must partake in the nature of a wild beast. Hence, an earthly belligerent power is evidently designed, and the comparison is peculiarly appropriate, for as several species of the wild beast carry on perpetual warfare with the animal world, so must governments influenced by ambition promote discord and depopulation. Ah, imagine that. The depopulation has been a, a principle of this beast system forever. Did you know that? Did you? I didn't know that. I mean, I did, but I do, but I didn't know that a year ago. And also, as the carnivorous, carnivorous wild beast acquires its strength and magnitude by preying upon the feebler, an, feebler animals, so must earthly monarchies are raised up by the sword and drive their political consequence from the unsuccessful resistance to the, to the containing nations, or contending nations, excuse me. The kingdom of God, on the other hand, is represented as a stone caught out of the mountain without hands and is never likened to a beast because it is not raised up by the sword as all other secular powers are, but sanctifies the person under its subjugation. In which last peculiar, it essentially differs from all other denominations. Uh, 
were denominations. I guess that's what this is. And not denominations, but denominations. This beast is said to rise up out of the sea in which peculiar to correspond with the fourth beast of Daniel. The sea is therefore a symbol for of a great multitude of nations, as has already been proved, and meaning is that every mighty empire is raised upon the ruins of a great number of nations, which it has successfully contended against and incorporated, incorporated with its dominions. The sea here is doubtless the same against the inhabitants of which a Whoa? I don't know, it says W-O, I must be mis- was denounced. I don't know what woe is. Uh, which a world was denounced? It was a woman, I don't know. Woman? I don't know. Uh, Revelations uh, 12, 12. We'll see, maybe we can look here. Oh, whoa, that's what it's supposed to be, okay. And even though this is not, this is the NAS, we'll use it. For this reason, rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So which a woe was denounced. Okay, for St. John was standing upon the sand of the seas when the vision changed from a woman and the dragon to the, that recorded in this chapter. It, therefore, follows that the kingdom and the empire here represented by the beast is that which sprung out of the ruins of the Western Roman Empire. Having seven heads and ten horns upon his horns, ten crowns, the beast here... Described is the Latin Empire, which supported the Romish or Latin Church, the Latino. For it has upon his horns ten crowns, i.e., is an empire composed of ten distinct monarchies in the interest of the Latin Church. See the heads and horns fully explained in the notes of Revelation 17.10 and Revelation 17.12. And notes and a Revelation 17:16 notes. As the phrase Latin Church, Latin Empire, etc., are not very generally understood at present, and will occur frequently in the course of the notes on this and the 17th chapter, it will not be improper here to explain them. During the period from the division of the Roman Empire into those of the East and West till the final desolation of the Western Empire, the subjects are both empires were equally known by the name of Romans. Soon after this event, the people of the West lost almost entirely the name of Romans and were denominated after their respective kingdoms which were established upon the ruins of the Western Empire. But as the Eastern Empire escaped the ruin, which fell upon the West, the subjects of the former 
still retained the name of Romans and called their dominion, and it says, well, this, well, I don't know if this Roman or Greek lettering, the Roman Empire, by which name this monarchy was known among them, till it final, it's, until its final desolation in 1453 by Muhammad II, the Turkish Sultan. I think he's talking now about the Byzantine Empire or the Eastern Empire. Uh, the Greek Empire, they still call themselves Romans. But the subjects of the Eastern Empire, ever since the time of Charlemagne and before, and more particularly at the time of the Crusades and subsequently, called the Western people, or those under the influence of the Roman Church, Latins. Their church, the Latin Church. And the Western people, in return, denominated the Eastern Church as the Greek Church, or the members of its Greeks. Greeks. Hence, the division of the Christian Church into those of the Greek and Latin. The two legs of the statue of Daniel. For a confirmation of what has just been said, the reader may consult the Byzantine writers where he will find the appellation the appellations and it has these Roman words or Greek words and then says one is Romans and the other one's Latin. So I guess Romans would be P-W-U, oh my gosh, A-L-O-L, I'm thinking. But don't quote me on it. And the other one would be like a, uh, I don't know what that is, like an upside down V. I don't know. Uh, Forget about it. So anyways, whatever these two words, whatever language they're in, whether it's Greek or, I think it's Greek, um, it means Romans and Latins. Used in the sense here mentions a very numerous instances. The, mem- the members of the Romans Church have not been named Latins by the Greeks alone. This term is also used in the public instruments drawn up by the general popish councils, as may be in- instanced in the following words, which which form a part of a decree of the Council of Basel, dated September 26, 1437, and then it has this long copio sinsimma sub pro union Gres Corum comes Latinus. Which I guess means a very great convention for the union of the Greeks and with the Latins. <clears throat> Can only put our trust in him because well quite frankly, how do I know he's not telling the truth? I don't know Latin or Greek, so uh okay, so even in the very papal bowls, this appellation has been acknowledged as may be seen in the edict of Pope Eugenius the Fourth, 
dated September 17, 1437, where in one place mentioned it is made the Ecclesia Lat- Latin Norum Quesita Unio, which I guess means desire, desired union of the Church of the Latins. And another place we read Nect Superessi uh, Modum Alum Prosequitae <laughs> Operas Tampi Et Oh my goodness. Servedi Servedi Latine Ecclesia Honoris, which supposedly means quote that means might be left untried of persecuting so pious a work um, and of preserving the honor of the Latin church, end of quote. See Corpse Diplomaticu Tum One, it looks like III, page uh, 32 and 35. In a bowl of the same pontiff dated September 1439, we have Sanctissima Latinorum et Grace Corum Unio, which supposedly means, quote, the most holy union of the Greeks with the Latins, end of quote. See Bale's Summa Conciliorum and LC by the Latin Empire is meant the whole of the powers which support the Latin Church. Okay. Yeah. I think we'll finish up with verse one here. I don't know if you realize this, but we're studying verse one. And of course, Adam Clark is much more in depth. So we we first heard from Bart, Bart Johnson's People's New Testament, how he simplified things. Now we're going to look at a more scholarly, uh, historical view, basically saying the same thing with a lot more meat and substance. And so it's, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Then it has these Greek words, uh, and then it says, uh, the, uh, the name of blasphemy. This has been variously understood. Jeremy and Prosper give it as their opinion that the name of blasphemy consists of the appellation Urban Eterna, Eternal City, applied to Rome. The Eternal City, huh? Rome. It means that one on Washington, D.C.? Eternal City with its many lights, rays of light. Mm-hmm. Applied to Rome, the modern commentators refer it to the idolatrous worship of the Romans and the Papists. Before we attempt to ascertain the meaning of this passage, it must be first defined what the Holy Spirit means by the name of blasphemy. Blasphemy in the scripture signifies impious speaking when applied to God. Injurious speaking when directed against Scripture signifies impious speaking when applied okay, okay, against our neighbors. Okay, so 
Injure speaking when directed against our neighbor, a name of blasphemy is the prostitution of a sacred name to an unholy purpose. This is evident from the ninth verse of the second chapter of the Apocalypse, where God says, quote, I know the blasphemy of them which say that they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan, end quote. These wicked men, by calling themselves Jews, blasphemed the name, i.e., used it in an injurious sense, for he only is a Jew who is one inwardly. Hence, the term Jews applies to the synagogue of Satan is a name of blasphemy, i.e., a sacred name blasphemy. The, a name of blasphemy, or the blasphemous appellation, is said to be upon the seven heads of the beast. To determine what this name is, the meaning of the seven heads in this place must be ascertained. If the reader refers to the notes in Revelation 17, 9-11, which we already read, you can just go to it yourself, he will find that the heads are explained to have a double meaning. This, that they, they signify the seven electorates of the German Empire and also seven forms of the Latin government, as this is the first place in which the heads of the beast are mentioned with any description. It is reasonable to expect that this signification of the heads, which is first in order in the angels of interpretation and 17.9, must be what is here intended. This is, quote, the seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sinneth, end of quote. The name of the blasphemy will consequently be found upon the seven electorates of Germany. This, therefore, can be no other than that which was common not only to the electorates but also to the whole empire of Germany, or that well-known one of Sacrum, Imperium, Romanum, quote, the sacred or holy Roman Empire, end of quote. Here is the sacred appellation blasphemed by its application to the principal power of the beast. No kingdom can properly be called holy but that of Jesus. Therefore, it is, would be blasphemy to unite this epithet with any other power, but it must be horridly blasphemous to apply it to the German Empire, the grand supporter of the Antichrist from his very arise to temporal authority. Can that empire be holy? Where am I at now? Can that empire be holy which has killed the saints? which has professed and supported with all its might and idolatrous systems of worship. It is impossible. Therefore, it is, its assumptions are sacred and holy, which appellation was originally given to the empire from its being the main support of what is termed the Holy Catholic Church. The emperor being styled on this account Christ's temporal vicar upon earth. See, oh, here we go again. Uh, 
Caesar Caesar Rini for Sten for Tractatus de Supremetu Principum Germania German okay German CC uh, 31 32 is the highest sense of the word can be taken a name of blasphemy. The name of blasphemy is very properly said to be upon the seven heads of seven beasts and the seven electorates of the German Empire because the electorates are styled Secri Imperi Princeps Electors and then I guess Princes Electors of the Holy Empire and here we go again Sacri Romani Imperi Electors, the Electors of the Holy Roman Empire. And with that, that's a good place to stop. And then I will take a little break and start the second part of recording of this. And of course, then the second part is going to be now about uh, Adam Clark's commentary on Revelations 13. So, another voice along with Adam Clark and others, is this Bart Johnson's. They all seem to be, uh, there seems to be a, a large consensus in the 19th century that a lot of these scholars, biblical commentators, all recognized who Rome is, the Roman Empire, and what it consists of. It consists of the papacy, and then of this, this German Empire, these knights, these prince and electors, uh, these uh, the political uh, temporal beast system, and how the papacy restored it, it brought it back together after it was sacked by the barbarians and just leveled to the ground and received what it seemed like mortal wound. But healed itself, thanks to the papacy. Which now then makes you wonder an awful lot about those who call themselves Seventh-day Adventists who insist that 1798 was something other than it really was, which I believe it's coup d'etat, which means that the, the papacy never actually was destroyed or lost its power, but was usurped by the Jesuits and they control it now. And they've been controlling the, 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 the papacy ever since. And it was officialized in what, the 1814? Well, that doesn't mean it wasn't 16 years earlier already taken over by the papacy. So, uh, I think it over the, the Jesuits, excuse me. Um, anyway, so what I'm going to do, so I'm going to end this now, and then I'll come back in a little bit and finish it. I'm sure nobody's listening anyways. But hopefully someone will feature. So, God bless. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.